I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We co-host Pantsuit Politics, a podcast seeking nuance in political conversation. Along the way, we've realized the rest of life is filled with nuance, too. So we come here each week to commemorate the moments in our lives, moments beyond birthdays, weddings, and funerals, that deserve celebration. It's an opportunity to see ourselves in a new season and to reflect on the messiness of living wisely. Hello, everyone. We are so happy to be back with you. We received some really lovely feedback on last week's episode, and we have some more commemorations coming up this week. Before we get started, I just wanted to say, everybody following Pantsuit Politics on Instagram, I love you so much. I'm getting messages. I joined Instagram for the first time. I stole my partner's phone and made them follow you on Instagram. Y'all, we are less than 500 away. It's so close. It's scary. And I... Cannot wait to have the swipe up. I'm going to do such positive things with it, y'all. It's going to be amazing. I feel like we need to come up with a commemoration ourselves for when you get the swipe up. Because it's been such a journey. We'll have to figure out what that's going to be. Our first commemoration is very close to my heart because it's about curly hair. (laughs) Michelle Ray has emailed us to talk about her curly hair journey. She says she is one of six children and she was the only one with curly hair. Let's just stop right there. Oh, man, that's hard. Yeah, that's hard. Did her parents not have curly hair either? Well, what she says is that her mom had no idea how to take care of it. So I don't know. I don't know. And I get that. I talk to lots of moms who don't know how to take care of curly hair because they don't have it. Wait, did your mom have curly hair? No. mm -mm. My dad has some curl naturally in his hair, but it's a totally different thing Mm. for guys. That's hardcore. So she says she was made fun of at home and out of home. She didn't know how to take care of it. And here's the line that I loved so much from her email because it's so true. You literally never know what you're going to get after a wash. (laughs) Amen. She said it was always frizzy. And then a few years ago, she realized that media has really added to the way she feels about her own hair because when a girl is going to be made beautiful, they always straighten it. They always blow it out every single time. So she's been trying her whole life to do the same thing. She said, I have straightened and blow dried and tried to make my hair what it was not my entire life. A few years ago, amidst a backdrop of marriage, children, church service, and three jobs between my husband and I, I started losing more hair than I was comfortable with. I researched and took vitamins and bought special shampoo and decided to lay off the heating tools, all the while really not enjoying my natural hair. Last summer, Michelle discovered the Curly Girl Method, which is conditioner-only washing, and she got involved in a Facebook group, and she's been watching videos, and she spent a lot of time investing in how to take care of her hair, and now she loves it. And she's teaching her four daughters, all of whom have curly hair, and her son, who has wavy hair, to do the same thing. And she has basically become an ambassador for curly hair, and I think that's wonderful, Michelle. And she has four curly-haired girls. That's just me being jealous. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, so in my two, Jane has this beautiful, blonde, completely straight hair with lots of body. She Like, her hair just naturally swoops exactly the way you would want it to swoop, like if she pulls it back. It, her hair, Jane's hair is everything I always wished my hair was, and it is not. And then Ellen has curls just like me really tight. As soon as you get her out of the shower and comb it out to get the tangles out, it is springing right back up. And I'm so glad that I've spent the time to learn how to take care of my hair so that Ellen will grow up knowing, like, let's not brush this, for example. Because that is not a thing that I knew. So there are pictures of me 
all through my life with brushed out curly hair. It's just a frizzy mess. And I lived fine, right? I turned out okay. (laughs) But I feel like I'm going to get Ellen a little bit more on the journey than I was. And I'm sure she'll learn even more than I have about how to take care of this. I mean, I feel like no matter what your hair is, everybody goes through a journey of accepting it unless you have, you know, shampoo commercial hair from birth and we don't really want to be friends with you. I'm kidding. We'll be friends with you. But my hair is wavy, so it's not curly like yours. I love curly hair. My favorite thing about incredibly curly hair is my friend Reagan does this. My friend Nicole does this. They have really long curly hair. They have, first of all, the most beautiful braids, and then they can just braid them. And they just stay. They don't even have to put a rubber band on the end. It's amazing. Because a long, like I want to be the lady with the long braid so badly, but the, I don't have thick enough hair for that. Oh, I just love it so much. And But the the women with long curly hair and the way they braid it, oh, God, I love it so much. It's like out of a Disney movie. Anyway, I had to really accept my hair too. I mean, I straightened it all through college, all through high school, and then finally was like, why am I doing this? I don't enjoy this at all. So I'd probably have not blow dried my hair in 10 years. Like I just don't ever, ever blow dry my hair. Um, Part was getting bangs because it's like adding bangs. You feel like you kind of have, you've done your hair, even if the rest of your hair is wet. (laughs) Um, But I love, like once I got just was like, I'm done with this. Even when my hair is straight, I've usually let it dry naturally and then I straighten it. And I do like doing my straight hair sometimes. But most of the time I'm just, I'm not touching my hair. I have red hair, obviously. And I just feel like I want to baby it and love it for who it is so it doesn't turn gray on me. So I just leave it alone and try to take good care of it and don't mess with it a lot. I think the the no matter what type of hair you have, kind of the less you mess with it, the better it looks. That is definitely a secret to curly hair. The less you can touch it, mm-hmm. the better your life is going to be. I still straighten my hair occasionally and mostly when like I'm just not feeling good and the warmth of that feels really nice and being able to brush my hair feels really good. So I do it now, but only when I feel like I'm doing this for me, mm-hmm. not when I feel like I'm doing it for everyone else. And it's easier to travel. I feel like when my hair is straight because I can get several days without washing it. And when it's curly... It's just harder. It's I'm going to I go several days without washing it, but it means I'm putting it up. It's just amazing how much thought I've had to give my hair, which I think tells you that in the world we're doing some things wrong. It's so sad how many of us have to go on these journeys to accept something about our hair. Like think of all the things that we might have invented or written over time and we haven't because we're learning how to deal with our hair. It's ridiculous. Well, and I think we're getting there like. I think we're getting there as a gender because there does seem to be a lot more movement around don't wash your hair every day. Don't feel like you have to fix your hair every day. Leave your hair alone. Like now a lot of it's profit driven. There's so many companies now that will tell you they'll sell you the product. You don't have to wash your hair every 90 days or whatever. But I think that moving away from the washing every day is good for everybody, no matter what kind of hair type, not just because I think it's probably better for your hair, but because it just takes so much dang time. I mean, there's like an economic theory that part of the wage gap is because women spend more time getting ready. 100%. The days that I don't have to get ready, I'm so much more productive. I mean, I love being able to wake up and not put makeup on, throw my hair up, wear something comfortable and just hammer out some work. It's my best life. It really is. And then you can stop and like exercise in the middle of the day and not worry about it. It's just so true. It's better. I mean, I put my makeup on every morning now because of the news brief on Instagram. 
And it's very different than the way I've been living my life for the past probably almost 10 years since I had Griffin, which was I would put on makeup maybe one or two times a week. It wouldn't be very much. Now, I'm enjoying it, as anyone who's followed around along on my Instagram journey knows. But I've also got it really quick. I con read my drawer, so it's like in the order of which I do my makeup, and I moved all my brushes around. I think I shaved off like three to four minutes, so I can do it all pretty quickly. And I feel like it's a good investment of time because I think what used to really bother me about makeup is I would do it and then it was gone. You know, I felt like by the lunch, I couldn't tell a difference. And the products are so much better. I can go to wash my face at night and be like, I still look pretty good. So it feels like a better investment of my time. And also you could skip a morning of makeup, right? And no one would judge you. Because I do feel like we're getting better about that too, about recognizing Mm -hmm. that makeup can be super fun and we can really enjoy it. And also it's not a have to. I think that's the key. If we can just get out of have tos with getting ready, we'd be in a better place. Michelle, I'm so delighted that you love your curly hair and that you're helping other people love their curly hair. Hooray for you. I have kind of a confession to make. I'm a little bit obsessive about deodorant. The second there is even like a hint of perspiration in the air, I go crazy thinking, is this me? What have I done? I use tons and tons of deodorant because I care so much about this. I also care about what I put on my body. And I feel like I'm finally coming to a solution to unite those two worlds. Hug Me is a natural deodorant that actually works. How does it work? Hug Me Deodorant by Bloom, that's B-L-U-M-E, is made with probiotics. The probiotics encourage your body to make more good bacteria, and as a result, your body produces less bad bacteria, so B.O. doesn't exist. It lasts for 24 hours and doesn't have to be reapplied throughout the day. Mainstream antiperspirants contain aluminum, which gets absorbed into our bloodstream and has been linked to cancer. Hug Me Deodorant is safe and sustainable. It's rated the best deodorant ever by the New York Post. I feel like adding probiotics to anything is an improvement. I'm just going to be real with you. Hug Me by Bloom keeps you feeling good, feeling fresh, and super huggable. Right now, our listeners will get 25% off their first stick and free shipping when you text NUANCED with a D, N-U-A-N-C-E-D, to 797979. This is a special offer you can't get anywhere else, and you support the Nuanced Life when you support our sponsors. So text NUANCED to 797979 to get 25% off your first stick of Hug Me deodorant. If you don't love it, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. Text N-U-A-N-C-E-D to 797979. We got a really lovely commemoration from Kathy that I'm just going to go ahead and read in full. A few years back, I lost my sister, and it devastated me in a nanosecond. Last fall, I signed up for a grief share class at a church close to where I work and began a deep dive into the grief pit. My commemoration is to those nameless, faceless church ladies who took me under their wings and nurtured me the way I have always nurtured others. While I hope church ladies exist in every church, I hadn't found that to be true in mine. Until I met these ladies, church ladies looked like Dana Carvey in a black cat and purple dress. They were prim, proper, and funny as all get out, but sadly not real for me. Please give a shout out to the real ones who care for others naturally with no expectations. They saved me from my worst self with prayer and humor and allowed me to begin to be whole again. I think Anne Lamott was correct when she said, God is such a show off. I love this. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking a lot about who I want to be at church. 
that's my question everywhere. Who do I want to be on the show? Who do I want to be with my clients? What kind of parent do I want to be? And I've been thinking a lot about who I want to be at church. And I think there is definitely a modern way to be a church lady that is Mm -hmm. important to me to figure out how to get into. I think for me, my shift with church ladies was really about going over to the Episcopal Church and seeing where the church ladies had real power. Because I think part of the reason I had a negative connotation for church ladies is that they were exerting power because they weren't given any power inside the church. So they were doing it through backbiting or emotional manipulation or lovely, beautiful, wonderful human beings who were just carrying all this emotional labor in the background. And being in a church where the women are doing a lot of the volunteering and a lot of the labor, but in such an outward-facing, leadership-driven way and showing, like, this kind of care for our other human beings is really what the church is supposed to be about. This is how we should be leading the church. Oh, gosh, it's just so—it's been such a positive experience for me. And I think it is they are really so often, no matter what the power structure is in the church, sort of the unsung heroes. When I think about church ladies as I knew them growing up, it is a very positive image. It's just a very traditional image that I don't Mm -hmm. fit well into. I think of church ladies as the people who prepared all of the food and taught every Sunday school class and taught vacation Bible school and volunteered for every event. The church ladies that I grew up with, and this was part of why it was so important to me to find a church led by women pastors, because I always felt like they were the spiritual center of the church. They just weren't sitting in the chairs on the stage on Sunday mornings. And that bothered me. Mm -hmm. They were the people who helped everybody form their faith, though, you know, And and they were the people who would show up when terrible things happened and who made all of the plans and arrangements. They were clearly the church leadership without having those titles. And so I wanted to change that in my experience of church. And so what does it look like to be a church lady, which I think of as a positive term and one I want to really embrace consistent with Kathy's message, when you really don't have the gifts, like, I'm not going to be a good Sunday school teacher, okay? Like, that's just not, it's not in the cards for me to do the kind of work in the church that all of the women in my life did growing up. And so what does that look like for me? I don't know. And I think it's interesting to think about. And Kathy's message really touched me as I sort of explore that more. My favorite thing is in our church, we do a monthly breakfast called the Vergers Breakfast, but it's the Vergers are all men. So it's the only meal we eat together as a church. It's prepared exclusively by men. I just think that that's such a like a great way to sort of flip things and then open up other positions for the the church ladies to to do their best work and to to really lead the community, which ours do. And I just think it's I love that my kids see that, you know. I love that, too. I mean, that's kind of what you want. Like, I think a little bit about how if there is to be a tribe in my life, as much as I struggle with using that word, I want it to be the church. You know, I want that to be the place where people really are just acting from their gifts, not because of any kind of structure or hierarchy or politics or anything else. And churches are full of human beings, so it's really hard to get there. But that, to me, is the ultimate in what church can be. And I'm so glad that Kathy found it during this moment of intense grief in her life. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't really think about what it would be like to lose my sister. And so I'm so glad that this class existed and not only that it existed, but that it existed well, because sometimes I think our best efforts fall 
woefully short. And so how wonderful that your church really gave you what you needed, Kathy. And I hope that it has continued to be helpful along the way. And I love Anne Lamott, too. So if you have a commemoration to send us, please send it to Sarah at PantsuitPoliticsShow.com or Beth at PantsuitPoliticsShow.com. Make sure you put the show on it. Sometimes I'm afraid there's really great commemorations out there that people forgot to put show in the URL and we miss them. We really appreciate support. Thanks for joining us for another week of The Nuance Life. We had a very intense conversation on pantsuit politics, uh, follow-up to our five things you need to know about abortion law. So if you're looking for a little more intense conversation, join us over there this week. And, and until next week, keep it nuanced, y'all. Nuance Life is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. The Nuance Life is listener supported. For $5 a month, you'll receive an extra episode of The Nuance Life at patreon.com slash thenuancelife. You can connect with us on our website, thenuancelife.com, and follow us on Instagram.